Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast. I'm Chris Maxwell. I'm here with my friend Tracy Reynolds. And Tracy, going to have our second interview with a dear friend. Absolutely. Good to see you, Chris. Welcome back, Cheryl Johns. We are so pleased to have you. Uh, I've so enjoyed your sharing part of your story, but also how God's helped you in transitions and how he has you now. I, I, somebody called the part of life that we're in our third third, and I think that everything that we have gone through in life so far has prepared us for where we are right now, and I certainly believe that about you, Cheryl. Welcome back. Thanks. It's so wonderful to be back with you guys. Well, let's just dive back into what we talked about uh, last week's podcast, and and uh, tell us more of your heart, and again, and why you do what you do. And I'd love for you to include uh, this time more about your writing and your books. You and I have connected uh, through the world of writing. We both love words and stories and poems. And, uh, and I think uh, sometimes we can communicate in sermons and, and through songs. But there are many times that uh, stories, not just told but uh, then written, uh, can communicate in some powerful ways. Yeah, I I love writing, and as you know, writing can be painful but beautiful at the same time. And it's a ministry that that is a wonderful calling. And I, for a lot of my writing, has been to the academy. It's more academic, and some of my writing has been to the church and just to people in general. Over the last few years, you know, I. Um, my husband and I have a heart for discipleship, local church ministry, and in particular, Bible study. We believe that the way you empower laity is through the direct study of the Bible. And for most laity, it, that would be in the vernacular. When we went to Wheaton grad school, we learned the inductive method, and we, you know, our lives were transformed. We've never, ever been the same. And so... Okay, for those people in the audience who do not understand that terminology, please explain those two different Yeah, methods. inductive. Let's take um, deductive first. Uh, you know, all of our brains think deductively and inductively. Deductive usually begins with um, a presupposition or a thesis and then breaks it down. I am a human. Um, all humans have a heart. I therefore have a heart. I just thought deductively, right? Mm -hmm. And I do. We do math mainly deductively. Uh, most of life, a lot of life, is is deductive thinking. And then there's inductive, which is much more of. Um, sometimes it's used in, by scientists and others, but it's. I have a hypothesis but I don't have a foregone conclusion yet, and I want to hold myself open to, dis uh, to discovery and to surprise. And young children, their lives are mainly inductive, and it's wonderful just being with a four-year-old child. Einstein said, 
I think in a letter he wrote to Jean Piaget said, um, the uh, mind of a four-year-old is the peak of intelligence. And uh, Hmm. inductive requires uh, a form of the imagination that we don't use in deductive reasoning. And it's, look, I discovered this, I saw this, and I wonder, and this wonderful question that maybe you could see with Einstein, the master of inductive, was, I wonder if, what if we put this together with this? Well, they've never been put together before, but put them together and an explosion happens of something new. And inductive is always looking for connections, the surprise, the new, um, and in terms of Bible study, a lot of evangelical preaching and teaching, studying the Bible, has been deductive. You know, you, you look at those evangelical Sunday school commentaries of years ago. They would give you the answer before you even started teaching. It was the, the <laughs> main principle or verse or whatever. And then you would just break it down. Uh, you didn't even have to study and, and learn yourself. It's all, you know, God is um, omnipotent, all-powerful. Now, therefore, let's look at all the verses that talk about God being all-powerful, omnipotent. That's good for some forms of systematic theology and thinking, but it just shuts down so much. And by the time the church had got to Martin Luther, all thinking in regards to scripture, was tightly deductive, syllogistic um, Mm -hmm. thinking. And uh, they even, you know, the the church in the time of Galileo, you know, Galileo had this great invention called the telescope, and he trained it on the sun. And he said, it looks like there are spots on the sun. Well, he was tried for heresy. Why? Because... The main idea, the, the settled argument, was that you know God is perfect, God has no blemishes, and they are thinking more along the line of the Greeks rather than Hebrews. But therefore, those things that are near God, i.e., the heavenly bodies, they are near perfect. So you can't say that there are spots on the sun. That's heresy, and. That was a fallacy of, induct, of deductive reasoning. Then Martin Luther comes along and dis, you know, discovers this, uh, you know, we're saved by faith and faith alone. Inductive reasoning, looking at the scripture, not, not going in with the presuppositions and filling the scriptures in, but looking at seeing what it says and then coming to a conclusion. So inductive Bible study as a method began at the turn of the 20th century um, in New York City by Wilbert White, and he was tired of the two extremes, fundamentalism on one hand and liberalism on the other, and he said both of them were reading the Bible in a way that made the Bible say what they wanted it to say. And he asked, well, what if we read the Bible with um, inductive, open open thinking, uh, and that we we began to take it as a whole seriously. So the inductive method would say, okay, let's study the Bible book by book. 
And the question is, you know, what, what do you see here? What's the, take for instance, the Gospel of Mark, the 16 chapters in Mark. Uh, what's the, now what's the overall feeling you're getting, the, the theme you're seeing in Mark? And then, as in, in the inductive method, then you begin to see the parts and how the parts are related. And everything's, you know, when you start doing observations on how things are related, Mark is full of what they call chiastic structures. And looking at those literary forms and looking at the design of Mark and what Mark is saying and not just what he's saying, but how he's saying it, how he loved to put a story within a story. Like you've got the story of Jairus's daughter being healed, but Mark would like to insert a character in the middle of that story, the woman with the hemorrhaging. But the woman with the hemorrhaging mm-hmm. She's got something to, uh, there's a key in her to help you understand the Jairus story and vice versa. And it's not, you know, it's, it's related. So inductive is everything is related. Everything is mm-hmm. um, tied together in a mysterious tapestry. And let's just discover what it is that the Bible is saying here. And once you get into that approach, it's hard to let go. So inductive Bible mm-hmm. study has been part I, of our lives. I, I love the inductive study, um, as mm-hmm. you might imagine. Uh, I appreciate, I think the presupposition there is that God is speaking now, mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit can actually interject now, that it's not just he spoke in the past, it's predictive of the future, and it's this you know line upon line, precept upon precept, rigid, uh, linear kind of way of thinking. But but it seems to me that what but what about what is God trying to say now? Yeah, there's some all time truths and there's some one time truths, but so what? What has it got to do with me now? And what is the Lord potentially saying to us in this moment? Uh, which doesn't throw the baby out of the bathwater. It just simply acknowledges that God is in, he's the God of the living, not the dead. And he's speaking to us by his spirit in the context of, of this moment in this time. Yeah. Um, so I, I celebrate that. Yeah. And the same spirit who wrote the Bible by human hands mm-hmm. is the same spirit who is with us. And interpreting mm. and reading the Bible. And so we don't have an artifact in our hands. Uh, we mm. have a living word, a space um, where the Spirit comes, speaks to us new every day. Mm. And so as a Pentecostal, I can say I believe in the canon of Scripture as it being closed. There are no new books. But I do believe mm-hmm. in ongoing revelation and Revelation is on what inspiration hangs. Um, and mm. therefore, Revelation is um, continuing in the gifts of the Spirit and words of knowledge and prophetic ministry of the church mm. and all of the charisms of the church. And it is um, just powerful to put the Scripture in light of God's ongoing speech, ongoing actions. Uh, God is still, as you said, God is still speaking. God is still acting. Scriptures bear witness to that. They're the, the, the primary mm-hmm. witness to that. And so I have this book coming out very soon, and it's um, re-enchanting the text. 
discovering the Bible mm-hmm. as as sacred, dangerous, and mysterious. And it's mm-hmm. coming out through Baker mm-hmm. Academic. It's my sort of my magnum opus, my life statement, my life ministry. <laughs> um, a lot of times we, a lot of academics especially, we talk about hermeneutics. How do you read the Bible? And a lot of us Pentecostals have spent a lot of time, how do Pentecostals read the Bible? By the Spirit, by uh, which I think is very important. But there's a deeper question that precedes how do we read the Bible? And that is, what is the Bible? Uh, what is it? Mm-hmm. And it, when we begin to talk about what the Bible is, uh, we use, you know, I can use the word, um, we talk about the metaphysics that uh, surround the Bible, the spirit of God, the living word, the triune life, um, and then the ontology of the, of the Bible What's, what is its essence, its being? And I, I say in that book, its essence is spirit word. That spirit and word are always married. And when you divorce them, problems emerge. You can have your spirit people who go far from the scriptures and still think that God is speaking. But then you have your word people who cut off uh, spirit way back somewhere in a cessationist idea that mm-hmm. God can, doesn't continue to speak in the same manner. And uh, so it's kind of a hard, uh, sterile word, as you were kind of referring to that, Tracy. So both spirit and word are to be married, you know, they're to be married and divorced really mm-hmm. costly. Amen. So in this book, I talk about how the Bible is spirit word, what does that mean as um, bringing us into the life of God, bringing God to us? And I use images like the Bible is a portal. The Bible is a space that we inhabit. Um, the Bible is um, this uh, wonderful, spirit-filled ethos that just well, Karl Barth said, you know, the Bible is the world of God. So it's, it is, when I, you know, when we sit down and read the Bible every day, the Spirit comes, and if we allow the Spirit, the words of that Bible become multidimensional, mm. not just flat, and the subject-object thing is transformed and I'm not just the subject over this flat text deciding this or that. I am, I'm sometimes the object. I am sometimes spoken to. I am dialoguing. I am the subject. I am in a relationship with the, the word that is in the text as well as the, the life of God the life of God that comes alive in the text and in the performance of the word, preaching that word. You know, there's nothing more wonderful than when the word becomes alive and dances around the congregation and it's alive, it's radiating, or you're teaching, as you you guys know that, and something more is happening. There's this mysterious kind of figure ground reversal that happens and 
you don't know what exactly is going on, but you've got um, what. Those can be some oh, of the best moments. Yeah, yeah. they're sacramental moments. Yeah. You know, sacramental, just making the presence and grace real. They're, they're real presence. Real presence happens. Yeah. Not thinking about God, but real presence. And we just have yeah. gone so far from our native home and language. I think especially as Pentecostals, where we once maybe understood that intuitively, but we read textbooks and we were schooled in and became part of this larger, more fundamentalist evangelical establishment that was more concerned about the Bible not having any errors than the Bible actually being the living presence of God. And that's a different thing. That's so that's that's a much higher view of scripture. Well in the next um we've got about three and a half, four minutes left. What are, what are some final takeaways that you want us to live with from your perspective? Uh, you know, thoughts from, from that book or just thoughts from your heart? Mm. Um, I would say takeaways that I would want to give everyone is that the last words of John Wesley, uh, best of all, God is with us. And mm. Jesus said, you know, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And, there's this sense of God's abiding presence in our lives by the power of the Spirit, in the Holy Scriptures by the power of the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, and in the body of Christ by the power of the Spirit. So the Spirit is with us in this podcast, um, making Jesus real. And would it be wonderful if those could be our last words? You know, best of mm-hmm. all, God is with us. Mm-hmm. God is with us. Yeah. I think about that. You know, every every day walking through Emmanuel College, um, God give us the that life. You know, Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. With and uh, thinking about it in conversations with friends and writing and teaching and pastoring and loving. Um, and especially, especially now uh, with so many, Cheryl, with so many, of those who are in ministry that are aching uh, and they they are wounded, they're hurt and they're harmed, um, but we can still f- we can still experience the beauty of the life mm-hmm. of Emmanuel. Tracy, we all need this, don't we? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it revolutionizes my day when I simplify, guys, and and I I try to remember honestly that that wherever we are, God is with us. We, in him we live and move and have our being and which raises the level of of import for that time that we can acknowledge that you know it doesn't re, if I'm pumping gas and there's somebody it really doesn't matter where if I'm alone or from other people it's particularly more sacramental when I'm around other people though and realize that hey yeah. God mm-hmm. is here and mm-hmm. um, and let's don't uh, I don't want to diminish or waste that moment. Let's let's lean into that, right? And see what God might have for us in in that. Oh, that's so good. Well, Cheryl, we appreciate this. And yes, how can people uh, find out more about you? What's your website? You and uh, we're excited about your new Thank book. You. Um, my website is CherylBJohns.com, and um, on Twitter is CB underline Johns. 
and you can find me on Facebook as well. well we're excited about the book, and again, we just appreciate you, and mm-hmm. thank you for your wisdom uh, and your heart that you bring with it. And uh, we're all learning uh, to apply biblical wisdom with with hearts that are sensitive and in tune to the Holy Spirit so we can find appropriate ways to make our next steps our best steps. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.